You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechFan Podcast number 425. I am Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello. So we were off for two weeks. You were on vacation, and I just decided I didn't feel like doing a show without you. I almost did. I almost did, but I thought at the last minute, you know what? Let's just take a couple weeks off here. We've been doing this uh, tech van for 10 years now. We can afford a a two-week vacation every now and then. We've earned it. We've earned it. Yeah. So you were in um, Florida for a couple weeks. I was in West Palm Beach with with the president. Well, at least he was there when I arrived. I saw a picture of him standing the other day because he's very fat. And uh, not that I can, you know, talk yeah. much, but he leans forward to try to hide it so his, his yeah. tie doesn't go out. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, he's he certainly cuts an, an interesting figure. Mm. So right now, of course, in the world, everyone's freaking out about the coronavirus. Uh, I'm personally waiting around for the Bartles and James virus. Um, <laughs> That's a you good know, joke. It is. Um, and people are freaking out about it. Not rightly so. Um, well, It's a very minor thing, but the media is covering it like swaths of countries are just dying off. And it's just not happening and I, I get a little frustrated when i see this it's kind of like the weatherman when bad weather's coming in you know they're yeah. doing facebook live every five minutes and they're yeah. live on twitter and you know the news is all about the impending disaster storm and you get three inches of snow and you're like really but but that's that's the beauty of a story like this because it's impending disaster so you can speculate as much as you want and nobody's going to come back back at you because you're saying well this could happen and look i think i think the reality with this is that they've tried very hard to contain it it's becoming clear that it's not now not contained it's springing up all over the place there is probably going to be a period over the next two three months when this rip throughs rips through a number of countries populations and that is going to be challenging for some people among those populations so yes. in that respect you but know, it's really no different than the flu, and it's not going to kill more people than the flu well, does. Well, I think year. I think the concern from a scientific point of view is that, that the virus mutates. I it, get it. it. Yeah, it, it sometimes they mutate in a population. Sometimes they come back stronger. Um, and the other thing is that this this virus has proved to be worse than a bad flu for some people. And the, the reality of most of our health Western health systems is that. We can't cope with these extraordinary events. They, I saw something last night that said they reckon there is about 800 to 1,000 spare critical care beds in the UK. Um, and if you look at a, a, like a, a one in five infection rate where, where it gets more serious than the flu um, from coronavirus, then we basically we don't have the capacity to cope with it going through the entire population. And that is the concern, I think. Yeah, so, but humans are pretty resilient when it comes to yeah. this. People will put aside political or religious or whatever differences and the, it, I, i'm not too worried no i think uh, the, the trick at this point and as as somebody who lives in a house with two people who have uh, immune deficiencies and so are immunocompromised we are thinking about if if it becomes prevalent in the population here how we will deal with it um, yep. and and we're making some plans we're putting some things in place and bonfires sorry bonfires yeah, basically, I've ordered quite a lot of barbed wire. 
um, yep. and I've applied for my crossbows. So, crossbows. Um, you know, we're going to go full zombie <laughs> Yeah, I get it. You know, I I, uh, I tried to explain to the kids the other day why they now have to sleep on a pile of cans. Um, well, you know, we all make sacrifices, children. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I was just thinking about what you're talking. Uh, you're famously not on Facebook, although you do have a Facebook account. You've never used it. Yes. Uh, you don't log in. So I something came up the other day. I forget what it was. And you texted me about it. And I thought, how the hell does he know that? Because I only posted it on Facebook. Yeah. And, of course, I'm friends with your wife now yes. on Facebook. She's so she's my Facebook she's, mole. Yeah, she she's the spy. <laughs> yeah. Basically, anything interesting comes up in your timeline, she tells me about it straight away. Yeah. So. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, that was the uh, the issue you had with um, PayPal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that yeah. since this is uh, Tech Fan. Actually, I was going to speak about this. and I don't know if I put a note in here to talk about it or not. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Shocker. Um, so what happened was, uh, I have a PayPal account, obviously, and it's linked to my bank account. It's actually linked to two different ones. One's just for a car payment. So I'm not too worried about that. The only money in there is there for a few minutes before I make a car payment. And that's basically empty. Yeah. But the other one is my business account. And that's what I use on a daily basis. That's where I pay bills and all that stuff. I've never had a problem with PayPal. I've heard the horror stories, um, but I've always been pretty cautious about it. I don't keep much money in there to begin with. So uh, I get a text one morning, and the text says, we found some suspicious activity on your PayPal account. Um, and I forget exactly the wording, but basically for 700 and something dollars. Um, if you made this purchase, press one, if not press two. So um, immediately I press two. Well, I wasn't in a position to go do anything on the computer at the time, but about a, an hour later I was. So I jumped onto the PayPal, the PayPal, by the way, and logged in, saw it and immediately put in a, um, I don't know what you call it. The, uh, uh, when I dispute a dispute, I yeah. guess. And so it was under review. And then they had like three different transactions. And the other two were legitimate. They were the new account that I set up for the car payment that I was just mentioning. So what I do is I get money in my PayPal account. I use that to make Julie's uh, payment on Julie's uh, car, which is nice. Yeah. And because the new bank that we're using for that account is really is it's got a 1990s interface on their website it's almost impossible to move stuff around it's just it's horrible so i just set it up with the paypal so i can dump money through paypal into it and make a car payment well my balance is zero so someone stole all my money and then pulled a little bit more out of my bank account well that was through paypal yep that sucks yep and so i said i i fill out the whole form and i say this one's not real and these other two are legit. So about an hour later, I get an email from PayPal saying, we didn't find any suspicious activity. We think this is a good sale. So your money's gone. Sucks even more. So I do a quick Google search of call PayPal, yeah. find their phone number, and I call. And I get this really nice lady on the phone. And she says, 
All right. The first problem was she claims, and I know I didn't, but she claims that I put that that was a legitimate purchase, all three of them. And I said, no, clearly I didn't. Uh, and I said, number that's number one, no, I didn't. I clearly said this one was um, fraud. And number two, why would I buy five copies, digital copies of Microsoft PowerPoint? Yeah. So the other aspect from them is they have seen legitimate purchases coming from that seller, Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And they can see every year my Xbox Gold membership renews through PayPal. So that's why they thought it was suspicious. And then they said, no, nah, it's not suspicious because he's done business with these people before. So here's the issue. And by the way, the, the, the end result is they reversed it. They put all the money back. They put it into my bank account. Everything's good. Yeah. PayPal did the right thing and it took less than 24 hours. So I, I could say on the phone, they were fantastic. Their initial response was good. Uh, the only screw, if I wouldn't have actually logged into the website and put a dispute in, it probably would have been fine. Yeah. They said that's where the confusion was caused. So that's kind of on me, but not really because it's not really clear. Well, no, uh, you, but, you had but they dispute, fixed it. You had to dispute. You, did, you weren't wrong for doing that. That was a disputed transaction. Right. But they had already opened the dispute via text. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't doesn't, need to do doesn't what doesn't really sound like your problem that. Okay, I'm giving yeah. them the benefit of the doubt because yeah. at the end of the day, they did the right thing yeah. and they did it on a uh -huh. timely basis. Yeah. This is not the PayPal of old. They're, they're yeah. a lot better now. So where do you think the breakdown is? Where do you think people got in? Uh, normally, the way this happens is that you have the same password on multiple accounts. No, wasn't that. Nope. nope. Um, did somebody ring up and try to pretend to be you and change the password? No, that, that can't be the case because nope. you got on the account. Remember what I said? How, where, where did the purchase come through? Through Microsoft. Exactly. So figure out where the breach was. Oh, so it was Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. Yep. Turns out that my that account has been compromised for years because back in 2016, they got me for uh, $200 that I never noticed for a digital copy of Microsoft Office. So that helped lend legitimacy to this purchase. Yeah. So obviously my Microsoft account has been compromised and somebody was logging into my Microsoft account. They bought five copies, digital copies of PowerPoint and then immediately resold them on eBay or something. Yeah. yeah. So the fix is to go in and change my Microsoft account, which I did change the password set up to two factor, two factor authentication. Yeah. So I think the problem is fixed, but I posted this on Facebook and a much condensed version that I just went through. But really the point is if you've got an account on the internet, they can draw money, especially from PayPal or a bank account. And you haven't changed that password in a long time. And I know people are sitting out there thinking, well, it's never happened. I'm sure I'm fine. Yeah. Just go change your passwords. Yeah. Look, the, the older the account, the higher the risk that you've used that password somewhere else. Because back yep. in the day, we did that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's point one. Point two is that if it's an account you don't use very much, you're not going to notice if things disappear or things change, and that's what's happened to you. Um, and, and the third point, and this is a policy I've started adopting now, is don't store financial information inside the account of a third party. 
Yeah. Because that well, way, I have to with with PayPal because oh yeah, I yeah, move obviously money that. And and the ones you do, you have to log on to regularly. You have to use two factor. You have to use every security facility that they right. they give you. To well, be sure with that. Microsoft, I didn't just reset my password. I actually went in there and removed my payment yeah. options. And and I think this is what I've started doing now. Basically, most websites will allow you to um, store a credit card or something in the account. And for the vast majority of those now, I, t- I, I remove those, and I don't, I don't take that option up because yeah. what it, for precisely this, this reason, could I don't want an account to be compromised, and because of that compromise, and get access to my bank account, my credit card. Yeah. You know? and, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a life-changing event for me, which is why I forgot about it when we first started the show and you had to remind me what it was, but... It was stressful enough for a day. Well, how much money were we talking about? Uh, it was about seven hundred fifty bucks. So, well, for a lot of people, seven hundred fifty dollars is um, there's not there's not many of us who are in a fortunate enough position to be able to go. Oh, seven hundred fifty dollars, I can swallow that. Yeah. Yeah. That no, is, no, I'm not saying it's not a, yeah. an insignificant amount of money. I'm just saying, you know, I'm I'm not going to. Uh, lose my house because of it. No, but but there are plenty of people who use these services who would. You know, yes. and, and it would not be hard to lose that sort of money and suddenly realize, you know, you're not going to make the mortgage payment this month or, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a God forbid, a, a different, more critical bill to pay, like a tax bill or a, or a um, hospital bill or something like that. And all of a sudden you haven't got the money to do it. Uh, That's and, weird. Do you actually pay your taxes? No. <laughs> um, you know, and really at the end of the day we we don't want to be in a situation where we lose any money to fraudsters let alone no. 700 dollars yeah. so um yeah i think i use lastpass for all my passwords and pretty much every um website that i've uh, that i go to is in there now you know what and lastpass is free it will do a check where it actually looks at all your passwords it will identify any commonalities or anything and it'll say you know we can do this audit and they can go and change all these things that is something that people should do and um, if you don't have a lot of these accounts, but you know the ones you do, go and log on to them. See what's going on with them. Perhaps reset the passwords with something that can be stored in a password manager so it's more secure. The Apple one is also very good if you do it on your phone, your iPad, your Mac. Um, and, yeah, again, think about whether you really need the convenience of um, having to type of, of not be, not having to type in a credit card number when you make the occasional transaction at these places, especially nowadays. Most like all the Apple uh, things, I presume the Google, the uh, Android ones are the same. Will store locally on your phone credit card details or, yeah. or or Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever, and let you use that to pay for purchases. So you don't really need to store your credit card information inside um, inside a website of. You know, something you you only buy once. If you go to uh, you know buildersdepot.com, dot com, right? You know, and only every only once in a blue mood you buy something from there. You don't need to store the credit card on their site. No, yeah, you know, no, you and don't. it doesn't take long to type. Most people, if you only have one or two cards, they know the numbers. You just type them from memory. You don't need to get the card out and look at it and that sort of thing. Um, it's not much of a hardship. It's certainly less less of a hardship than trying to chase down a bank or a credit card company to dispute transactions or uh, say... Well, that was the biggest thing for me was, you know, the phone calls and checking the emails and, you know, this lady on the phone from PayPal was very accommodating and and she agreed, yeah, this does not look uh, legit. I I, I said, number one, I'm not a PC user. 
uh, I'm a Mac user. Yes, you can get PowerPoint for the Mac, but I, I don't use it ever. Um, and why would I buy five copies of it? You know, who buys five copies of the same piece of software? And she laughed and she agreed that, yeah, this looks, and she put her own notes in there. So when it, when it, when they finally ruled in my favor and it, it was less than 24 hours, it really was. Um, you know, I filled out the survey and I had written her name, her name down and I called her out in my survey and said it was yeah. a great job because it's a lot easier to log into a company's website and complain about something you know, than it is to give a compliment when it's due. Yeah. And I think in today's society, it's a whole lot easier to jump onto Facebook and Twitter and complain about a company. Oh, well, I think there's an awful lot of people who complain about companies without never interacting with the companies rather than, well, that's true. Yeah. yeah rather but than trying it, to get their how often, fixed, they just go and moan on Facebook r- about how exactly. terrible the company is. But, but how often do you jump on and say, Hey, you know what guys, let me spend two seconds here to say I haven't lost power in a long time. Great job. Your energy company. Yeah. And tag them in it. You know, it doesn't take much, but we never do that. No. We just want to complain all the time. So anything happened in Florida tech wise that was exciting to you? Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, um, the car we hired was a, a Kia that had CarPlay on it. So it was nice to use that for a week. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised by how, good the kia was it was kia kia's getting better i i I had training on uh what's today friday so i had training on wednesday in detroit unfortunately i had to race a snowstorm there and i hit it on the way back which was not fun but i was in the sequoia so i wasn't too worried about it um and it was for the brand new 2020 highlander Mm -hmm. which i've already been selling we've had it for a month and a half now but hey now we get training on it And uh, part of this training is you get to drive not only the new Highlander, but some of the competitor vehicles. And you rotate through these different vehicles. And I drove, um, let's see, I got to drive the Ford Explorer Uh and the Kia Telluride. Right. And I could tell you, look, I sell Toyota, so I'm going to try to be a little bit biased on that. But not on the test drive. I really want to know how these cars perform, what they're like. Because if my customers are coming in and they're saying, I'm also looking at this, I want to be intelligent about, you know, talking about the competitor's product. Uh, the Ford was terrible. It's, it was one of the worst vehicles I've ever been in. I mean, it was ju- – and this is a brand-new vehicle. This is over $50,000. Yeah. It was it was horrendously bad. Um, I would push really hard on the accelerator. It would leap. I'd take my foot off of it. And it kept going and trying to find the gear before it would finally wind down. It was, it was unbelievably bad. I could not believe it. Um, I thought this is how much, and it just felt so dated. It was so plasticky and just junk. I mean, it was just. I can't believe Ford selling this as some kind of a premium car. It's just bad. The flip side of that is a Kia Telluride. Uh, that was really good. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was. Um, Almost as good as the uh, the Highlander. Yeah. It's a little bit less. I didn't like the stereo as much. It's, a, it's not as intuitive. And they have a candy bar screen. So it's long, but it's really thin. And it actually looked like it was at a weird angle, like they hadn't lined it up on the dash right or something. Right. It's kind of strange. I was like, that's kind of weird. But the seats were comfortable. Uh, they had some features on there that I wish the Highlander did. Um, 
it was it was a good vehicle. I can understand why somebody would shop us against that. Yeah, it was, I, it was I, nice. I, well, as we had an Optima, we wanted a mid-sized saloon, um, and the Optima was massive, compared, certainly compared to a British car. Anyway, yeah, um, it was enormous, plenty of space, um, some nice equipment on it. Yeah, including the CarPlay, not the wireless CarPlay, unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, we used the CarPlay for a navigation. We drove up to Orlando and back with that, which was great. Yep. Um, yeah, and not by English standards, not great gas mileage, but then it's no. you know a bigger bigger. And those uh, and, and Optimus don't retain their value hardly yeah, at all. They're yeah. they're actually not very good at all. Right. But, when you compare it against the Camry, it's yeah. like wow, it's night and day. Especially the build quality is just not there. Uh-huh. But you know, it was fun for a week. It's comfortable. Oh sure, uh, for a week, no problem. Interestingly enough. Um, this, this, and also, I think we had a. It was either Kia or a Hyundai when we were in Israel in December. Um, the the one in in Israel had the self driving, both the one where it will stay within the line steering, yeah, and then it had a radar cruise control. So, yep. um, on the highway, certainly, you know, you didn't really have to do an awful lot at all. You just have to hold the wheel. Um, yep. The, the, Ameri- the new Toyotas have that. Yeah. It's kind of cool. The Kia had the self steering. It didn't have the radar cruise control. Um, but it's it's really it's really interesting because I find with the self steering is you're not really sure how much to trust it. So well, it's using a video camera and it's looking at the lanes yeah. and it's trying to make minute corrections to keep you in the center of your lane. I personally, when whenever I drive a car that has the self steering or lane centering is what it's called, yeah. um, lane assist, I I don't like it. Yeah. Because yeah, I can feel the steering wheel move this, independently of what I'm doing, well, the, and I don't. This is this is like the it. thing it does, and and the and the reason I say you don't know how much to trust it is you don't know how well it was going to steer around a corner. The one I had in Israel was a better system. You could pretty much, if you wanted to, take your hands off the wheel until it complained. No, you couldn't. Yeah. It would complain and turn yeah, itself yeah, off but, if you do but that. But what I'm saying is, if you if you did take your hand off the hands off the wheel briefly and you were going approaching a corner, it would go around the corner no problem as if you were driving it this yeah. this kia didn't really feel quite as good as that right um, but i find it interesting is that you you know you get these systems and you don't know quite how much faith you can put in them um and uh, you know and there's a very fine line between not having much faith and then having too much faith and there's an awful lot well let's, there was a guy, let's talk about yeah go ahead there was a guy. There was a guy who was uh, was killed in a Kia in a in a Tesla in another one of these accidents in Florida, not far from where I was a few months ago. It was one of these ones where a trailer, a, tra- a truck trailer, pulled out in front of him. He was playing on his phone or something like that, and the car just basically went straight underneath the trailer, and he was chopped in two. Yeah. Um, and this appears to be a, a particular problem with the Teslas. But you posted this story about. Tesla and self-driving that I found was interesting because this is the gray line, isn't it? Yeah, well, this is a couple weeks ago, um, and I actually had posted it before we did the last uh, Geeks Pub, uh, thinking, well, next week I'll talk about this. And, of course, so now this is almost a month out of date, Uh, and there was a follow-up to it. But the story started with a man buys a used Tesla. It went to auction, a dealership bought it, and that dealership sold it to this guy. And when the dealership bought it, it was listed with the autopilot system, which is a very expensive system that people that own a Tesla can upgrade to. Well, uh, Tesla then did a audit and found out that the new buyer did not buy this feature, so they disabled it. Remotely, yeah. Remotely. And then 
they made it right. They went and they turned it back on. But it does bring up a very interesting question, uh, especially for someone like me that actually sells cars for a living. Um, it used to be, David, I go buy a car and the dealership, brand new or used, doesn't matter. The, the dealership says it comes with this feature, yep. right? It's got anti-lock brakes. Awesome. I want anti-lock brakes on my car. So I buy the car. When I resell it, the anti-lock brakes are still there. It's a mechanical thing, right? So obviously the next buyer is going to take advantage of the anti-lock brakes too. Um, but what about an auto drive feature that is already built into the car? Tesla simply can turn it on or off. Well, remotely, yeah. here's the if thing. You buy it. Yeah. This is this is part of part of the problem here is this Tesla with their disruptive model because they sell cars with hardware features built in but are turned off. They right. they famously you can buy um you can buy a Tesla with a certain range for the battery, a certain level of power for the battery, and then you can pay them a couple of thousand dollars and they will magically give you extra range by basically telling the car to put more juice in the battery. Um within within certain limitations but basically you can they but it's kind of like intel you know they'll some, sometimes they'll underclock a chip and sell it to you as a right. seller on when in fact yep. if you turn features back on and gave it more juice it would become uh, a full pentium or something like that back in the day and this is the same sort of thing they will sell you a car with a battery that's rated for 400 miles but they'll sell it to you cheaper and they'll say oh this one only does 240 miles and then you can pay extra to get the extra range turned back on and and the the self driving features um, are the same. They are levels of software add on, but actually the hardware it uses is all already built in the car. The, what what I, f- I found problematic about this is first of all, right? They did an audit after the guy bought the car, but actually the dealer had bought the car, car directly from Tesla. Um, yep. and in an auction. At an auction, and Tesla at that time they the dealer had bought the car before they resold it to this guy. The car was listed as having these enhanced autopilot features, which presumably influenced the bidding on the auction. Oh, of course it yeah? did. So it is therefore disingenuous. Tesla having sold it like that to then turn around and say, oh, actually, that's you haven't paid for it, so that's not there. Yeah. Um, and secondly, yeah, this guy's getting dinged for something. He was sold, the, the dealer was sold something by Tesla in good faith, and he, they sold it to the guy in good faith, and then Tesla have decided through some unknown process that, in fact, these features don't exist. What I also found frustrating is, obviously, the press coverage in this, Tesla intervened and everything was put back to the way it should be. But even then, they said, oh, it was down to a miscommunication. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The, um, the it, miscommunication it, it was, was Tesla saying... PR. Yeah, the miscommunication was Tesla saying, we have decided we will not give you these features you paid for. Not, um, you know, oh, sorry, we got your name wrong or anything like that. Yeah, that's, right. that's bull. And if you, you know, why not turn around and say, hold your hands up and say, we made a mistake and actually clarify what your policy is because these, well, they don't want to clarify it because this is eventually going to, they're going to get sued for this eventually. So here's the question, David, over and above Tesla, you go to, okay. Number one, um, I buy a product and it has all these things. They're software based. I'm done using it. I sell it. And I have the right to sell it. It's my product. 
what right does the company have then to go in there and screw around with the secondary buyer? Yeah. I I have a problem with that. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of levels of this. First of all, we're not just talking about, you know, a GUI or a, a piece of functional software here. We're talking about a safety system that comes with the car. Exactly. Right? Theoretically, this person could have bought the car, used the enhanced autopilot to, you know, play play Super Mario on his phone while he's driving down the highway. <laughs> right. Which is something that not, not, not any one of us would advise somebody to do, but people do that sort of thing in Tesla. Then the next day, they get in the car. Uh, unbeknownst to them, Tesla has turned it off over the air. Yeah. They get in the car. They go on the highway. They set the system, take hands off the wheel, and the car immediately swerves across three lanes of traffic and causes a pileup, kills them. Yeah. Yeah? That is on Tesla. If they turn part of the safety system off without notifying yes. the, the user, I think that is very, very bad practice. And I also think there's a level of corporate intrusion here. I, personally, this this turned me off from Tesla completely. Yeah. And I know they did the right thing at the end, but I, I will insist that they only did so because they got busted and yeah. the PR was horrendous for yeah. them. Um. I don't trust them now. Why do they think they have any right to manipulate my vehicle after I bought it? Well, this is the problem. This is, uh, you know, Tesla is one of those Silicon Valley companies that, uh, you know, it's it's fail fail fast, fail often. It will work itself out in the end. But the problem is they are now a big consumer company. They're not as plucky little startup anymore. And these things have real-world consequences for their customers. And they need to formalize these policies so that everybody knows what they are. The blurry thing here is that they are treating this these functions as just software patches. And, right. And, what, and, and that's because of the background and where yeah. they originated. But, yes. but the difficulty is that even, even in software... Right. Um, you know, everyone knows that the, rea the the legal reality of software is that you don't buy the software, you buy a license to use the software. And there are right. various different ways those licenses can be transferred when you sell the product. But in most cases, the um, if, if there is a limitation on selling the license on with the product, that is clearly stated up front. Everybody knows it. Microsoft's OEM licenses, for instance. Everyone knows that the cheapest way to buy a copy of Windows is to buy it with a new computer. And Correct. depending on who you buy it from, sometimes you may not have the right to sell that particular copy of Windows on when you sell the hardware. Yeah, there, that, there are licenses that work like that, but you kind, everyone kind of knows that up front. You're getting a limited, more cheaper OEM license that's perhaps tied to a hardware, not tied to a person. Conversely, everyone knows that if you have Adobe Photoshop um, from, uh, you know, a CC, which, whatever they call it now, their subscription model. Creative Cloud. Creative Cloud, yeah. Then that is tied to the person, and while that person is paying the money on an ongoing basis, you have the right to use that software on any piece of hardware you want. Right, these things Correct. are clearly defined, and the point is the customer, with a minimum of uh, investigation and sitting down with their supply and what have you, can understand what they can and can't do. The difficulty yeah. here is what Tesla is trying to do is have their cake and eat it and say, okay, we're not going to clarify exactly what that is, but when we decide it's in our financial interest, we'll turn around and say, oh, you no, that you, that feature didn't transfer when you bought our car, and that is so just stupid. 
Yes. Now, some people have made, I watched a, there's this lawyer that I subscribe to. He does a, a video every couple, a couple times a week yeah. on uh, YouTube and he covers a wide variety of topics. Um, he's a little bit arrogant, but that's okay. He's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like him though. And I agree with a lot of the things that he's more of a consumer advocate than anything. So yeah. uh, automatically I like the guy. Uh, he has had people send him this story and he discussed it. Uh, and he didn't really come into any conclusions. He kind of took the tack that, you know what, this is going to have to go before a judge eventually. And, and we're going to need a legal ruling on it because it is kind of a gray area. So the, thank you. The, um, what he kind of compared it to is he said he, he bought a new car and it came with a free trial of Sirius XM and he enjoyed it for three months. And then that feature turned itself off. And if he wanted to continue to use Sirius XM, he would have to become a subscriber. Now this is the, the antenna and the software is built into the car and it worked. It, It did exactly what, the dealership and the manufacturer said it would do. It will give you a free trial after which, if you want to continue working or using it, he would have to pay. And he likes serious XM, So he actually subscribed and he's a right. payer or he's a, he's a, uh, he, he can use it. Yeah. So he resells the car and he deactivates his account on there. Now the second buyer does it, it's built in. It's there. He can see it, but it doesn't work. So he has to pay now. So is the auto feature, autopilot feature in Tesla more akin to a subscription service like Sirius XM? Well, or is it an actual feature of the car that once one person buys it, it's in the car and the manufacturer does not have the right to retroactively who they have no agreement with, with the new owner retroactively go in and manipulate their vehicle. Right. So, but, but the problem the problem where that analogy mm-hmm. breaks down is that with a Sirius XM trial, the, 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 you, the feature is in the title. You know going in that it is a trial. Yeah? You know it is a subscription service that but you have to But that's the original for. buyer. Yeah, that's, what about that's the secondary right, but the, buyer? The, the, but yeah, but the point is Sirius XM is marketed and sold as an ongoing subscription service. Everybody right. who knows anything about Sirius XM, if you contact them, if you go into a dealer and ask them about it, it will be explained to you that to continue to receive service requires an ongoing payment of money, which is called a subscription. What Tesla cannot do, in my view, is ask for a big chunk of money on on a purchase basis and say, right, now you have the feature, right? Right, Because it's not a subscription thing. It's not a subscription, not an ongoing payment. The guy bought the upgrade to the car, so the car's been upgraded. I don't care if it's a physical upgrade where you put new tires on the car or it's a software. I don't think those two things should be uh, a a difference. If a manufacturer got payment to upgrade this vehicle, I don't think legally they should have the right to take it away. That's like if I go buy new tires, uh, a week later I go sell it to somebody, this car, and discount tire comes and takes the tires off because they didn't sell it to this guy. They sold them to me. Right. Now, so no, that doesn't where work. This, where this would be easy to be clarified, because this model would work, right? Consider instead of a Sirius XM subscription, 
buying an Amazon book on Kindle, right? You yeah, buy, that's a little bit more ambiguous. Well, there. you know, it's not ambiguous. It's perfectly clear with that. If you buy an Amazon book on Kindle, so I say I go out and I buy Stephen King's latest novel on my Kindle, right? I pay yeah. money for that physical, the that basically the license to that book, but it is tied personally to me and my account. It is perfectly clear that if I sell that Kindle to somebody else, yeah, and, and I don't give them my account details, then that book is not available to them. It is tied to me, even though I'm paying a one-off payment for it. Now, so I wonder if that if in the Tesla stuff that's called well, out. Well, if. If it was called, clearly called out, then this would be a non-story because Tesla would say, uh, exactly. we apologize. It's very clear in our terms and conditions that when you buy the autopilot upgrade, that is your personal purchase and it is licensed to you as an individual. And it is non-transferable to anybody else, even if you sell the car. But they don't yep. say that because exactly. they don't actually have that written down. They're basically right. saying, well, we want to treat it like that when we choose to, but we're not going to tell anybody about it. And that is... Legally, very, and, and very the difficult. reason when and the reason they don't call that out is because they know that they probably will be challenged in court, and there's a good chance, a really good chance, that they're going to consider they being the courts are going to consider a car quite a different type of uh, a purchase than a Kindle Fire. Yeah, you know. Well, not only that, that I think I think from a cons- forget the courts from a consumer standpoint i think many buyers would be put off with the idea that you might pay $8000 to for a feature to tesla yeah that they then if you sell the car so you can't use it anymore it doesn't work anymore that $8000 vaporizes yeah, right. the value and of that decreases the value decreases of the your value. resale exactly they yeah. they're going to turn around and say oh i'm not going to do that they like you and i are saying now we're going to say this puts us off tesla um yeah. and so that's why they want to keep it quiet because they don't want to they don't want that negative perception. But you know what? Yep. They really need to get in front of this and just be honest. A hundred percent. And I, I agree with you, Tim. I, personally, I'm of the opinion that while Tesla, I think, is amazing technology, and I think they have done so much to popularize the yep. the the um, concept of, a, of, an, of a, an electric vehicle as something that's a realistic replacement for a um, a combustion engine vehicle. I, you know, I think I've got to absolutely credit them for that because before, before they came along, you know, electric vehicles were a niche thing, and now they are sure. mainstream. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give them all of that. And you know, the autopilot stuff as well. I think they've done a lot, even though I think they oversell it and to the point of dangerousness in some cases. Um, the fact that that's also brought the concept of you know, we may one day get to autonomously driving vehicles again into the mainstream. I, I applaud them for that. But personally, I wouldn't buy a Tesla today because I'm worried long-term by the way the company will exist. Yeah, because... Well, you know, I'm not worried about that as much because I think they would just be bought out, to be honest. Maybe. Um, but, but the I, brand itself is worth more than the product yeah, they make. But I, no but question. I think, I think, yeah, they're, some of their marketing practices, some of their sales practices, and certainly from what I've heard, some of their aftermarket um, capabilities are seriously lacking compared to a well here's my problem in. here's my problem with tesla and it's kind of a big problem when it comes to companies in silicon valley i can kind of respect the facebook's that say we're just going to do this and we're going to be disruptive um if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out uh, but that's that's our philosophy. We're going to break things. Fine. I can choose not to use Facebook. 
But when it comes to a car, you can't have that philosophy. And I think that is the philosophy of Tesla. We've got this great new autopilot feature. We tested it for a whole six months. (laughs) And we're just going to roll it out to people on the road. Now, that's quite different. Because when you break things in that situation, you're talking about people's lives. And not just the guy who bought the car that's testing out this new feature, but the school bus the guy runs into and kills 20 children. Has that happened? Not with a Tesla vehicle yet. But I think they're getting away with doing with their business model that no other car manufacturer could ever conceivably get away with. And they're getting a pass from the press for it. This whole autopilot, all you keep hearing about is how bad it is and it caused an accident. And and they always try to blame the driver while the driver took his hit. Yes, because that's what Tesla promotes. It's an autopilot feature. Now, they'll say, oh, no, you still have to pay attention. BS. That's not how they're trying to promote it uh, organically. You can't. You can't say, oh, we have to keep your hands on the wheel and you have to pay attention when the thing is called autopilot. Autopilot, yeah? exactly. Which, in everyone's understanding, there's only one other place where autopilot technology is used, which is an aircraft. aircraft. And everyone knows in, an autopilot in an aircraft is specifically designed so the pilot does not need to hold on to the controls. No, the pilot can literally get up and go use the exactly. bathroom if he has to. Yeah. So, you know? so if you're going to call it autopilot, it's got to work like an autopilot. Otherwise, you've got to call yeah. it something else. Yep. Assisted driving, but that's not as sexy, and they're not going to sell cars because of assisted driving, because then it's just like a Prius. But but Um, unfortunately, they are quite literally, in some cases, killing their customers because they're encouraging them to basically do the motoring equivalent of going to the bathroom while they drive their cars. That's exactly right. And then when it goes wrong, yeah, they're dead. Yep, and they always blame the customer. Yeah. Uh, there was the uh, the, the most most recent high profile one. Uh, the report just came out the other day. This was the one where the car veered into the um, veered into yeah, the it was uh, an Apple employee. Yeah, he he veered he into. He was the, playing a game on his iPhone. Yeah, he veered into the central reservation. The um, crash barrier that, that had been there had been taken out by a previous accident, so he went straight to the concrete and he was killed. Um, now, yeah, should the guy have been playing on his iPhone? No, but uh, again come back to the thing the thing's called autopilot it's going to encourage the mentally lazy to think they don't need to uh, steer the car and in fact he had reported on several occasions his car veering towards the verge in this place uh, and uh, reports it's tesla and they hadn't fixed it you know they were quick enough to disable the over the air uh, over the air autopilot for the guy who hadn't paid the money but when it came to somebody reporting a, a safety problem oh well you know they hadn't hadn't got around to that one yet right and if this was any other Auto manufacturer like it. This was Kia. Oh my God! Could you imagine the press they would be getting? Yeah. And there would be a hint of of racial bias. Absolutely. In there well, I was too. just about to say if they it, would always yeah. say the Korean company the Korean, yeah. Kia. And and unfortunately, particularly in the states, there's been long. You remember the whole Ford Pinto gas tank thing? Yeah. That yeah. that everyone knew about for years, and nobody did anything about it until it, yep. it was basically thrust into the public limelight uh, whereas you know yes if a if a japanese car or a korean car or a certainly nowadays a chinese car had those sorts of things or a german car think yeah. about the whole emission scandal yeah. diesel scandal with vw yeah. you know there's this huge story that i read on the detroit free press about six months ago about ford they have this um double clutch transmission um doesn't use fluid by the way it's a dry clutch right that is, um, will lose power. Right. And 
it's been going on for over a decade. And every dealership knows about it. Yeah. And they're, they haven't fixed it yet. And they've been hiding this fact. And they're, and they're saying there's not a safety recall on it because it's not a safety feature, even though the car will literally lose power on the highway. So what, to which I respond, really? So, so that Ford executive who says this isn't a safety feature, put your 17 year old daughter in this little, uh, Fiesta. Yeah. And she's doing 80 miles an hour down the highway with a semi barreling behind her and she just loses power. Yeah. Is it a safety feature now? <laughs> Jerk off? Yeah, well. No? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's face it, um, it's, it's, it's down to the lobbying of the, oh, of course of it the is. American, of course the American it is. auto industry with American Congress that has allowed their cars to be generally substandard to their competitors for the entire history of the American auto industry. You know. Uh, well, uh, through, well, come on, you know. Through let, the let's, 70s, they let's, were the best. Let, look, come on, let's, let's be real here. I'm, t- I'm telling you this as somebody who who's dr- drives in American cars and then drives in foreign cars when I'm in the States. On a reasonable, regular basis. Starting in the 80s, I agree with you. Well, I, Before that, in the 70s yeah. and the 60s and the 50s, the American cars were some of the best well, vehicles maybe, out but, there. But in, the stuff yeah. they were making in England at the time were junk. Yeah. The stuff they were making in German were junk. Um, Japanese didn't even exist at that point. They had these little... It just... It, if it was an automobile and you wanted a quality one, it was a Cadillac. It was a Chevrolet. Those cars were great. Starting in the 80s... It all went downhill, and they've never recovered no. and, and because they uh, they just let these junk cars out there, and they still have buyers. I don't know why anybody would. I had a customer the other day. They're looking at a Corolla, and there's nothing sexy about a Corolla. No. It's a Toyota Corolla, yeah. but it's one of the most dependable cars you can exactly. buy. Yeah. That little sucker will go and go. You keep the oil changed. You keep it washed and, and do regular maintenance on it like you've got it in any car. Yeah. It will just keep going. And the other car that this girl was looking at was a Chevy Cruze, one of the worst vehicles out there. Yeah. It's just the and, uh, it's just a piece of junk, now, and I'm like, yeah. are you kidding let, me? Let me let you let me let you listeners into a dirty little secret. Okay, if you come to the UK, yeah, you can't buy Chevrolet cars here. Chevrolet hmm. tried to try to establish themselves a brand here with with American imports converted for for Britain. They just didn't sell because they were overpriced and they were terrible. Yeah, the the brands that are owned by American companies, Ford, uh, General Motors, which is Vauxhall in the UK. The, here's the other dirty secret: is their cars the, here are much yeah. much better than the equivalent vehicles in America. Yeah, the Ford the Fords in the UK are not the same no, as the Fords they here are in the US. because they have to, a lot better. They have to compete with the European competitors and then also the right. Japanese, and they are much much better cars than the cars you guys buy in the states. They, but I think we were both right in our points. Uh, up and through, I'm going to say about seventy eight uh, GM cars, Ford cars, Chrysler. Well, not so much Chrysler. Um, were very good vehicles. They really, really were. That was the height. The 60s, the 50s, uh, part of the 70s. That was the height of the American auto industry as far as reliability and build quality and all that. It just went downhill afterwards. Yeah. And it it's just... It's bad. It really is. And look, I know there's some listeners out there that are going, oh, I like my Ford whatever. Great. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you haven't had any big problems with it. Now go on to Kelly Blue Book and see what it's actually worth right now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's, I, and this isn't my opinion. 
This isn't like, well, your opinion is they don't make good cars. No, this is the industry opinion. Yeah, this is because we see what the resale value on these cars are. We see the problems. We can see all the massive um, dissatisfaction. And and then all you got to do is look at the the list of the cars that need the least amount of work and people keep the longest. Yeah. Guess what's not on there? American cars. Yeah. And look, and this isn't me saying, "Well, Tim, you sell Toyota, so you're anti-American car." No, I'm not. I I actually want. Seriously, and and this isn't just cars either. This is all industries. This is PCs. This is phones. I want everyone to make awesome products, irregardless of the one that I may be selling or using, because if everyone's making awesome products, guess what? The best of the best has to do even better. It pushes everyone forward, and as a consumer, because that's what I am, first and foremost, I am a consumer. Um. That means I have better choices. Exactly. That means you yeah. have better choices. I want everyone to do well. I want really good products out there. I don't want one that's so far superior to everything else. That's why I do want Android to do better. I use an iPhone, but I would love it if Android would do a whole lot better. Yep. Now, I'm not talking about sales. I'm talking about quality. Yeah. Because that's going to make Apple do better. I think the Mac is really, really in trouble. As far as quality and so many more bugs and things not working, and it's it's taken a huge step back in the last three years, a big time. Yep. I want Windows to get a lot better, so Apple will actually get off their whatever and and do what they should have been doing with the Mac all this time. Yeah. But they're not. No. So so when I say the American car companies are not doing well from a reliability and a a quality product. It's not my opinion. Yeah, this is this. It's a fact. And, and also, not. yeah, the the fact that that uh, Japanese companies and um, Korean companies can build a car that can easily do two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand miles with just regular maintenance, without major components failing, and the Americans can't do that. It's not sorcery. Yeah, right. It's not. It's not magic. Yeah. If 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 they can do it, then it's perfectly possible. Yeah, if Toyota can make a car that can do that, all the all the um, the minicabs you'll see here in Manchester, yeah, the vast majority of them are Toyotas, and there's a reason for that. It's because they will just keep keep running. You just maintain you you know you change the oil, you take care of the tires, the brakes, the consumables on the car, yeah, and keep it regularly serviced, and they will just run and run and run without you know a five to ten thousand pound. Uh, horror, right. horror bill every few years. Uh, I, I've had customers come in talking about, oh, they, they really like their whatever it is. Uh, it's usually a Chevy or a Ford. Uh, I have had to replace the transmission twice in it, though. <laughs> like, that's just a given. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Now, that's not to say other manufacturers, Toyota, Honda, Subaru, they don't ever have problems. Sure, they do. Yeah. But it's not on every single freaking car, and it's not commonplace. Yeah. There's no complacency when there's a problem like that. Um, I, I know. I it, would what, also, what we didn't yeah. talk about here on the show is um, there's a good chance that I'm actually going to be replacing my Sequoia, yeah. but not not uh, because with a car with not because high it miles. needs a new transmission. No. <laughs> well, I do need a wheel bearing, but that's a consumable. Yeah. That you know, it's got a quarter of a million miles. I'm surprised <laughs> there's just one wheel bearing starting to squeak on me. Yeah. Um, and it's another vehicle. That's another Toyota. But it's going to be a hybrid if I do it, and it's going to get twice the gas mileage, and that's why I'm considering. I love my Sequoia. David knows I do. Yeah. He's been in it. He's seen what I did to that truck. Yeah. I love it. 
the new vehicle, I'm not going to love it as much. I'll love the gas mileage, though, and it's going to be very comfortable, but it's about saving money for me. I can buy this car, put some money into it, um, get at least twice the gas mileage, and sell the Sequoia and still have money left over. Yeah. So, you know, would I consider it if it was a Chevy pickup truck? No, no. <laughs> I wouldn't even consider. And, and here's here's something actually to say about that, which is you know to bring bring us back to our top our regular topic, which is technology. One thing that I think hasn't ever you and I we've talked about how um, transformative Tesla have been with electric cars, but let's let's make a shout out for Toyota and hybrids here. Yeah, that's the technology they invented. And you can go buy a hybrid car today and it will do hundreds of thousands of miles without you having to regularly change the batteries. Yeah, without you. Have well, to- Toyota didn't invent it. They popularized it. But yeah, actually, but, Honda came but out they, with the they, hybrid yeah, before they, Toyota. They, they, div- they, it, they did the it. Apple thing. They perfected it. They took a yeah. technology and they made it mainstream and they also made it work. Um, yeah. And it's one of the most reliable technologies on the road today. I know, again, plenty of those Toyotas I see driving as minicabs around here in, in Manchester are hybrids. And they're not, yep. they're not new Priuses. They are older Priuses, which just keep on going. Yeah, And yeah. you don't have to replace the battery packs uh, regularly. You don't need to, I, you know. I remember talking about Tesla. Elon Musk's making a statement years ago uh, before Tesla became really Tesla that he didn't actually want to make cars. That really wasn't his goal. That what he saw for Tesla in the future was uh, they would start with the cars. They would make them popular. They they wouldn't sell in huge numbers, but that really wasn't the point. The point was to bring back, because remember, the very first cars were electric cars. They weren't gas-powered. The second generation of cars were gas, or was uh, steam-powered cars. That, of course, didn't go anywhere. And then... They found oil in Texas, and the rest is history. Um, But what he wanted to do was bring back the electric car. And he foresaw Tesla as leading that charge, not just with their own cars, but becoming the battery supplier and the electric generator, the the electric motors in the cars for other car companies like Toyota or GM or uh, Saab or whoever. Yeah. I don't think Saab actually exists no, anymore. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to Saab for him. <laughs> um, that's what his goal was because quite honestly, David, that's where the money is. Yeah. A part supplier supplying say a quarter of the auto industry with, with, uh, with batteries. Oh my God. Do you know how much money Tesla would make oh, as well, opposed yeah. to manufacturing that's their right. own cars? Making a smaller slice of every single vehicle sold as opposed to, um, uh, you know, the full slice of, of, of a small number of vehicles in the market is, is a much better proposition. Yeah. yeah. It's not, I mean, I, I personally don't know why they haven't gone back to that. I think Elon Musk has become Elon Musk. Yeah. He, I he's think, almost a I caricature think lost, of Tony Stark yeah, at this point. I think he's lost sight of that vision in the, oh, I in think the so. you know, the rapid drive to introduce uh, new, new it's, it's his ego and popularity. Yeah, exactly. He 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 started buying into his own PR, yeah. and uh, the guy's way out of control at this he, point. I, I mean, mean he genuinely, he's out of yeah, his he mind. genuinely believes that his vehicles are better than other manufacturers' vehicles, and they're just not. Uh, no, they're not, and um, that's uh, and he's got got you know, 
it's all about these. It's, it's very. I think the, the self driving is very much a part of this. I think if they hadn't gone down the putting all this autonomy into the vehicles, I think he'd be far less interested in making more models of Tesla. But I think he is now lost focus of that, and he's looking at becoming, you know, the, the biggest auto manufacturer in the world. And really, he shouldn't. And that's not no, going to happen. And, and, no. and surprise, surprise. Yeah, the. The other big automakers have said, well, you know, we've got, we make so much profit every year. We can afford to develop our own systems. We don't need to buy Teslas, especially given the CEO is a bit of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, uh, and, and, and for those who think this is an anti-Tesla thing here, um, oh. I've driven in a Tesla. I've drove a Tesla. They're awesome. Oh, yeah. But as a company, I don't trust the company. I think Elon Musk is... I. I I think he's crazy now. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened to this guy. Um, I think he, he read too many of, hey, he's a real-life Tony Stark, and he actually believes that now. Um, I do think he's a visionary. I just think he needs someone above him well, to control his child. I, I, think, I think you look through the history of, of technical innovators. You know, look at the, Steve Jobs is Steve a good Jobs, example. So you look at, going back, Edison... Tesla himself, Nikolai Tesla himself, very often yep. these people are, um, you know, immense geniuses, but um, not necessarily well, the full package. What, <laughs> what happens a lot is they get to the popularity of a Steve Jobs, and I'm talking about prior Steve Jobs um, or an Elon Musk, and then something happens, yeah. and they learn humility. Steve Jobs did when he got fired from Apple yeah. and he started next and he came back and he learned a lot of humility. He learned a lot better business acumen after that. No question about it. Um, Elon Musk hasn't had that moment yet. No, he will. I hope because I think if he does, we'll get the Elon Musk of old as far as not being such an ass. Mm. And, and I think his ideas are such that if you take his ego out of it and his erratic behavior, smoking pot on podcasts and just saying stuff that the FCC is going to fine you for, I mean, just calling some guy a pedophile. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Um, if he gets back to, if he just matures, let's just put it that way. And he follows the course that Steve jobs laid out that he gets fired from Tesla and he comes back eventually to resurrect the company. Um, I think he will be a much better person and his products would be a lot better. And I think he will be transformative at that point, but the way it's going right now, it just looks like to me that Tesla's heading for disaster. It really does. And I think they're going to get bought out within the next five years because they can't sustain what they're trying to do. All it's going to take is a prominent person getting killed in a Tesla because of the autopilot feature before Congress starts opening up you know, investigations and stuff like that. That's, that's, that's the course that they're kind of on. And I hope they correct it Yeah, because I love the technology behind all of this stuff. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. You know, but, it's a, and don't get me wrong. Autopilot is an amazing thing. Uh, people, yeah. you know, my brother had a Tesla and he said it really was an amazing technology. But the problem is, is that yet yeah, people are so focused on it's a self-driving car when it really yeah. isn't. And I'm, I'm hearing now, apparently, some people hang weights from the steering wheel of their Tesla, so they don't need yeah. to hold the um, hold the wheel, so they can fool the torque sensors into thinking that, they, that they're that they holding. It's just like, no. 
<laughs> no. If the thing says you've got to hold the wheel, there's a reason for that. If you've got holding the wheel, you need to look out the window. And, of course, yeah. other manufacturers actually build systems into their cars that mean that you can't fool it. They look at where your eyes are going, and they turn the system yep. off if you're not staring out the window. You know, yep. I, I, you, you do... You need to... Look, it's, it's like anything else. You can argue the toss about whether it was a good or a bad thing to market the technology this way and to sell it this way and to allow people to use it in this way, but it's becoming clear now there have been enough accidents, there's been enough problems that, that basically, to, to again, do that thing, hold up your hands and say, you know what, we have this slightly wrong, we need to do this differently. We're now not calling it autopilot, we are downgrading our statements on the capabilities and we are building new systems in the car to make sure that, first of all, it doesn't crash in the ways that, that these crashes have happened. So that needs to be fixed. And secondly, we, we make the car much more aware that the driver's not going to pay attention and basically not to rely on the system. Well, what you can rely on is next week, David and I will be back. But now with the tech fan, we'll be back with the Geeks Pub. Uh, of course, that's our non-techie show where we talk about, oh, pretty much... Whatever we want. <laughs> Whatever we want, yeah. Um, no big movies come out recently that either one of us has seen that I don't think. So. I, well, I, I, I caught up on a lot of movies while I was flying to the States and back, so uh, I have... Oh, I have, have to send me a list, will, just in yeah. case I'm not caught up. Uh, and um, so this, Of course, Picard. we got to yeah, talk about the I've, continuation of Picard. I'm, that's been really I'm good. Back a, I'm, I'm behind a couple of weeks on that now, but uh, yeah. I, I'm behind one week, so I guess I, I got one episode to catch up. But we're going to we're gonna hit all of that a week from now. We hope that, obviously, if you're subscribed to TechFan and you're listening to this, or you probably are, you will get the next episode of uh, Geeks Pub. Eventually, the shows will split, but not yet. It's whenever the whim hits me. Um, but make sure you subscribe to Geeks Pub once that happens. In the meantime, we love your feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Send us your feedback on, you know, tell us how much of a... Uh, we're wrong about something that we just talked about on the show. We'll discuss it again. Yeah. We'll we'll bring up your valid points. And if you're really passionate about something, come on the show with us. It's a Friday morning. We can have you on <laughs> next show. And here, here, you know, David, Tim Cook, David Cohen, and we are joined by Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have him on. That'd be awesome. And I can guarantee I wouldn't fanboy out on no, him. No, absolutely not. I would try to win him as an investor, but that's a whole different thing. So <laughs> that's, like, we'll that, be back. that's our strategy, basically. It's that's right. Call him out on the podcast. so he, Ir- he, Irritate him enough where he comes in and just, just buys, buys, us. <laughs> buys us to shut us up. I can be shut up with enough money, David. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Autopilot, the best thing ever. That, that's right. Uh, so we'll see you guys in a week. David, I'll see you in a week. See you then.